Father, this morning we come to you. We come to you, Lord, because you are the father of our spirits, the shepherd of our soul, the author of our faith, the sustainer. You not only redeem your people, you sustain them all through life. You are our glory, the lifter of our heads. You are the coming king. But for us, you're not just the coming king, you're always king. Yesterday, today, forever. We just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you once again. Thank you, Father. How wonderfully and how beautifully the wedding worked out, Lord. In spite of all the constraints and the rains, unstoppable rains. But Lord, through it all, it came out well. And we just want to give you the glory, the honor, the power, the praise. Now as we look into your word, continue to teach us and prepare us, O Lord. For the things that are yet to be, your children, your people are never left untaught and unwarned. It's all there, written. So speak to us once again, for in Jesus' name we pray, Amen, Amen, Amen. So we are in Revelation chapter 1. Today we'll finish chapter 1. The introductory chapter sets the tone for the rest of the book, the whole book. And please don't forget the introduction, the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, okay, to show his servants. Okay, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, for what? To be shown to his servants. So it is being shown to us, things which must shortly take place, okay? There are things that are going to take place. There are things that are going to take place shortly. But even, and most of the chapters are like terrible chapters. Okay, terrible if you look at what is coming. But even in that horror of the things that are going to take place on earth, it is a revelation of Jesus Christ as judge and as executioner. And yet protecting his church through it all. Okay, so it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Then verse 3 is our response. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Who reads, who hears and the words of this prophecy and keep those. So here it's talking about reading because if you come to verse 11, Verse 11. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia to Ephesus. So it is a book that is written. If I am right 12 times in the book of Revelation, God will say write. Okay, so if it is not written, you cannot read. You can only hear but you cannot read. So it is a book that has to be read, to be heard, and to be kept. And then when you come to verse 9, you see the person through whom it will come to us, the man, the human element here, I, John. 
both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Last night we were talking and I was telling Pastor Eric, most important quality God demands from us in the last days in every man, woman and child, especially men, is patience and endurance, patience. Okay, and that's why men need to get married. They will learn to be patient. And then you need to become a parent because you live away with Jamma yesterday and you realize nothing works with them. The only thing that works is patience in you. And you can't, uh, you can't uh, teach them because you tell them one, two seconds later they have forgotten. Their memory is like a sea which just keeps going off. So the whole purpose is, what is the whole purpose of it all? No? We saw on Wednesday, live with understanding with your wife because she's a weaker vessel. So if you have to live with understanding, giving due honor with a weaker vessel, what is that you need? Patience. Patience. And then you birth the weakest vessel, that is the baby. What is that you need? Patience. Because patience is one of the virtues of God. The very virtue of God by which we are not destroyed. If God is not patient, we would be destroyed. Well, all we have to do is one sin and we are gone. But it is God's patience with sinners that has kept us alive. And gives us chance after chance after chance. So little things over there, you need to realize why it is highlighted. Because these are the most important things which we will need. Patience of who? Not man's, the patience of Jesus Christ, God's own patience, was on the island that is called Patmos for two things. What is that? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. A lot of people have testimonies and they share their testimonies, they talk their testimonies, but it is their testimony. It is not the testimony of Jesus Christ because often when you listen to the testimony, it is not ratified by the word of God. If the testimony has to be of Jesus Christ, it has to agree with his word. So this is the person, a person who is going to be used, the servant. Revelation is going to be given to a servant through whom we are going to get the book in the Bible that would prepare us for the last days. And the reason is one, he says, I'm your brother, just like you. Elijah was a man of our own nature. Not that he was an apostle. He says, no, I'm just your brother. I'm an apostle, but I'm just your brother, just like you. And I'm a companion in the tribulation. But the church is going, I know what you're going through because I am going through the same thing. And why am I here? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he says, how did this whole revelation happen? He says in verse 10, because we are finishing chapter 1 today. He says, I was in the spirit. So it is a spiritual experience. The whole thing is a spiritual. And that's why the, the Bible, the entire Bible, and especially the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation is so difficult because we are living in the material realm and we are given visions of spiritual things and we do not know how to interpret and put it across in material terms. So symbols are used. 
the book of Ezekiel, he's in the spirit. The book of Daniel, he's seeing visions and dreams which is spiritual. And the whole book of Revelation. So for us to understand, that is why nobody could be 100% correct in their interpretation of these things. Because we can only see in part. That's why prophecy also. We can only prophesy by part. The reason is when you prophesy, you hear from the spirit and you're speaking into the material. Into speaking into the material, all you have is words that are connected with the material world. So the sevens and the twelves and the trumpets and all the seals and everything. How do we exactly interpret it? So we could go wrong, we could go right, but we should get the sum total of the message which is over here. And then we have the unbelievable, what I would say, the glorious revelation of Jesus Christ. It is not the Jesus John was familiar with. This is not the Jesus. John was probably the one who was closest to Jesus. And John, this is not the Jesus he knew. And the Bible says, when he saw him, I fell like someone dead. This is Spurgeon's two quotes. <coughs> he says, that's a blessed position. Does death alarm you? We are never so much alive as when we are dead at his feet. It does not matter what ails us if we lie at Jesus' feet. Better be dead there than be alive anywhere else. Okay. And then we come today to Revelation chapter 1, 19 and 20. So please don't forget this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though we will see things which are yet to unfold, unfold, we will see he's in control, absolutely in control. That's why it is called not the revelation of things that are yet to be, but it's a revelation of Jesus Christ in the midst of things that are going to be. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are the things which will take place after. So there is a command to record it. Okay, there are commands to record in this, like I said, around 12 times, and also commands not to record certain things. If you go to Revelation chapter 10, verse 4. 10 and verse 4. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, so now, again, these are also, how can thunder utter their voices? Okay, I was about to write. So, Whatever that thunderous voice was, it was legible to him what they were saying. But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So John also heard certain things like Apostle Paul, which he was not allowed to write, allowed to express. He was not allowed to express. So it's not that everything John saw or heard is written. Certain things were not allowed to be written. Paul wrote so many things. All the mysteries of God are revealed to us primarily through Apostle Paul. Yet he heard things which he was not allowed to write down. So please understand. But here, going back to verse 19. The command to record, to write, write the things which you have seen. We already saw in verse 11, write in a book. What is the reason for writing it? To be sent to the seven churches. And three things are used, the past, the present, and the future. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. And context-wise, this is the order in which the book of Revelation should be divided. 
The things which he has seen is the vision of Jesus Christ. The things which are is the state of the church. This is not the state of the union, it is the state of the church. The letters to these seven churches are for all time. We can find ourselves in one of the churches or all the churches. You want the AC, you can put it on. Eric, Eric, yeah. So this is how it is recorded. Okay, so in chapter 1, you have the things which you have seen. Chapter 2 and 3 are the things which are, still are. And four onwards are things that will be, that will take place. So where are we currently now? Everybody asks, where are we in the prophetic line? In chapter 2 and 3. That's where we are. Four hasn't started, come up hither. The church has not been taken up yet. And if we are taken up, then we are doomed. Okay. So 4 to 22 are things yet to be. So we are caught in 2 and 3. But the entire book of Revelation centers on the person of Christ. Of Christ. So to those who are his, his bride, it should be of great comfort. But those who are walking in disobedience, it should be of great fear and terror. The book, okay? So we have in 2 and 3, his ministry to the churches, the acts to come. And like I said, most of the book of Revelation, it is futuristic. When you come to verse 20, we'll look at just verse 20 today. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So if you go towards 12, you will see the mystery. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. That's where we see the seven golden lampstands. In verse 16, we will see the seven stars. He had in his right hand seven stars. So what was there in verse 12 and 16 is being interpreted, explained through scripture itself. What is this? The mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand. And the seven golden lampstand, what are these? The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven Churches. So the first comes, what are the seven stars? And the confusion comes because of the Greek word angelos, which actually means messenger. Actually means messenger. So there is confusion. Is he talking to an angel or is he talking? Let's go to Luke chapter 7 and verse 27 and 952. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Now this messenger, the same word, is not angel. It is John the Baptist. It's a man, the one who is going with the message. In 9.52, And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and they entered a village of Samaritans to prepare for him. These are his disciples. So John is a messenger. His disciples are messengers. And in James 2 and verse 25. Twenty-five. 
25, James 2. Like was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers send them out another way. Who are those the two spies Joshua had sent? Everywhere the same word is used. So we are not necessarily talking about angels and definitely it can't be angels because of certain other issues. It has to be the messengers in terms of the pastors because the implication is it's men, not angels. Otherwise, warning an angel of dereliction of duty is meaningless. But the man in charge, yes. Okay. Heavenly angels do not control churches. Nor do they communicate unless specifically ordered by God. It is the Holy Spirit who communicates through the pastor. Nor are they asked to repent. Okay, are they asked to repent? Because you will see five of the seven churches, the pastor is asked with the church to repent. Because the honesty is on you. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. So it can't be, be talking to an angel. What does the angel have to do with that? It is the, the person in charge, the pastor in charge. And also notice, the angel, the pastor of the church is in the right hand of God. Is held in the right hand of the God, which talks about first possession and uh, talks about protection. It talks about authority. Okay, get these pictures right because if you don't get these pictures right, like we heard on Sunday, if you don't get these pictures right, we will not get the other things right. Why? Why are things wrong? Things wrong. The Angels are referred to as stars. Okay? It's not referred to as sun or moon. They're referred to as stars. We need to understand. <coughs> People look up to their, the, the sheep look up to their shepherds for direction. And this word star is used in the Bible. If you come to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, 12, 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Primarily the one who turns many to righteousness are the ones who are called to leadership in the ministry because it is through them the word of God comes. What do they do? So there's an implication, like a correlation, though that the servant of God is compared to a star because he's turning people to righteousness. The false ones in Jude chapter 1 and verse 13. Jude 1 and verse 13, 1, 3. Raging wakes of the sea, forming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. They are called wandering stars. They call wandering stars. I will, and I will tell you why these things don't make much sense to us. Because the reason is we live in a different age altogether by we are directed by GPS. In the ancient days when people traveled, especially when they traveled in the sea, okay, there were only two things. One, they needed the stars, not the sun and moon, the stars for direction. And second, they needed the wind for power. These were the two things, okay, the star for direction and the wind for power. 
Okay. So the church was something like that. The shepherd gives the direction. The spirit empowers. Okay. And there is, there is so much onus upon the, upon the shepherd. If you go to Malachi chapter 2 and verse 7. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge. And the people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Okay, so it is talking about the priest here. The teaching priest. The pastor. Okay, for the people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But the shepherds. Okay. If you look at the shepherd in James chapter 3 and words 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Okay. See, when God says the shepherds are in my right hand, it talks about primarily about authority. Okay. And sovereign control, authority and control and protection. But like we saw on Wednesday, with authority comes responsibility, enormous responsibility and accountability. And we will always say, that's why in the Bible, if you look old or new, leadership is always male. It is not female. And because God cannot contradict himself by saying, husbands, live with your wives, knowing that she is a weaker vessel. And then he takes a weaker vessel and makes it the head. Women are there in the ministry, but headship was always reserved to men. And you will never see God directly coming and speaking to a woman, except in rare cases. One is to Manoah's wife. And each time he comes, Manoah is nowhere there, and he has to go back and retell everything to Manoah. Okay. The only other person, if you look at it, is basically uh, Mary, to whom the annunciation the about the divine birth. But once she has received it, he never talks to her. After that, it's only given direction is given to Joseph. It's after that, all the directions are given to Joseph. So this is fundamental things which you need to realize with leadership. And it is and that's a lot of issues in the church is got to do with leadership. And there is this feminist movement infiltrated into the church and literally has destroyed from feminist to transgender to everything has come into the church. But you need to realize where did it come? Because nature, the way God has created, abhors a vacuum. Abhors a vacuum. Okay, so if men are direct in their duties, automatically that space will be occupied by somebody else. Somebody else. And you will realize that is what is happening with Deborah and uh, Barak. Barak already knows what he's supposed to do, but he won't do it. Do it. And then when he goes, Deborah tells him, this is what you have to do. And he says, I won't do it unless you come along with him. And she tells him very clearly, if I come along with you, what will happen today? If this day, the glory will belong to a woman. The problem is when a glory goes to a woman, her husband gets the glory. But when the glory goes to man, the glory goes to Christ. 
That is the way God has ordered his creation. We cannot change this order. Galatians um, 4 or 3, 28 is very clear. When eternity comes, there is no division there. There is no male or female, that kind of that. That divisions are taken off because we are more like angels. You don't tell, ask an angel, are you male or a female? The gender neutral. So that's the way we will be in eternity. But this is the test for the church. The women in the church is to be women. The men in the church is to be men. This is the test into which we are caught into it. And people don't realize, how will I get my crown? He says, by being a man. And how will I get my crown? By being a woman. This itself is a test. And the last days, the test will be intense. Because like I said, in a race, God has reserved the best for the end. So the challenges our forefathers had to face, they never faced these challenges. Never faced what is called feminism, what is called gender confusion, sexual confusion. They never had to face any of these things. The kind of test the leadership in 21st century is facing when Apostle Paul did not have to face. None of them ever had to face. But this is our test. So to the, to the pastor, the shepherd, one of his primary function is out of the lips of the priest should come knowledge. He's a teaching priest. But God says be very careful. Let not many of you be teachers. Why? Because teaching is a very dangerous job. It's a very, very dangerous job. If you look at your own, if you have raised children, you will realize, as long as the children is at the home, they will say, Daddy said, Mommy said. One week to two weeks into school, they will start saying, Teacher said, because authority has changed. There's a confusion in their minds. Now, who should I listen to all these five years? I listen to my daddy and mommy, and always seems to be daddy's word, or in some houses, mommy's word. So that is why they have to be one. They cannot be two, because two heads is a freak. And no headship is dead. So that is where the woman is asked to submit to the husband is all things as unto the Lord. And the man is to come under the headship so that the child is not confusion. Confused is speaking in one voice. By the time you go to school, which is all about creation and not about the creator, the child is confused because now there are two authorities. Two authorities that is speaking. And then when the child comes to church, which is a believing family, when the child comes to church, he is hearing another authority. And that authority is very important. Take, take, take of a typical kind of a small town, Christian town, like in the Midwest of US or something, okay? Small little village town with 500 people. Everybody goes to church. Okay, so what you're going to see, the child is going to see, you need to understand the implications, because children imitate. The pictures may mean a lot to the children. What they see is their father and their mother. They see the principal and teachers all sitting, and another man coming and speaking to them all. And they understand his words are the most important. Life-changing. And such a man, we should be very careful. If he becomes a teacher, remember, he should be correctly dividing the word of God. Correctly dividing the word of God. Okay, And that's why Paul will say, I do not allow woman to have authority over a man or teach. teach. Because why does God call a woman? Don't look at the exception and make it a norm. Deborah is an exception. 
but she is not the norm. The reason is a woman is primarily an emotional person. So she will bring her emotions as experiences and bring it into teaching. Which may be totally against the word. I feel so strong. I will preach to you from my heart. But your heart is deceitful. Okay, this is, and we men also have to be very, very careful. Okay, we are not emotional; we are passionate about Christ. And there's a whole lot of difference between passion and emotion. We are passionate about a person. We are passionate about His will. We are passionate about His word. We are passionate about Him, the whole person of Jesus Christ. And that's what is happening. Why is John being given a revelation? Because he's passionate about the word of God and the testimony of Christ and I was in the spirit on the day of the Lord or the Lord's day. And therefore he is being able to give a revelation. It become more and more and more difficult in the last days to preach because not only feminism that has been ruling for a thousand or a hundred years, plus humanism where man is at the center, plus transgender, all this confusion has come in. And remember, the people coming into the church are coming from the world. Coming from the world. And therefore it is going to be, sometimes you are preaching in a very hostile environment, even within a church. It's not easy. So the Bible says, be careful. You pastors, I'm holding you in my right hand. You will be held accountable. First is in teaching. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. The apostles. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They are given continually to two things. One to prayer and to the ministry of, of the word. And then when it comes to John chapter 13, we saw it on Wednesday 12 to 15. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me a teacher and Lord. And you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. What is he saying? Your lifestyle is what people will imitate. That's why today the lifestyle has changed. Today pastors are real stars. They are superstars. The light is all upon them. But they forget who is holding them. He was not a superstar. He says, I am your Lord. I am your teacher. But I have shown you something. Your purpose is to serve my people. You model servant leadership before them. Okay? You need to understand because what I said, what is star for? It is for direction. That's the purpose of the star. Nobody walks in the light of the star. People get their direction from the star. Okay? The sun and the moon were given to give lights. Stars were not given to give light. It was to give direction. When it is absolutely dark, absolutely, absolutely dark, you know what? There is no sun, no moon, absolutely dark. The mariner who is lost in the sea, he is able to look at the stars and because he knows the stars and he knows their courses, he knows they are fixed in their position in certain season, he is able to get his direction. So when God is talking about right to these stars, who are these seven stars? These are my servants. 
representing the totality of the church. My servants should be fixed in their position so that his people in the church can fix their direction by looking at him. Be honest upon the servants of God that I, you will say, no, his teaching and his life. You know, children may teach, children may forget, children may forget. Okay, like what we were talking, Pastor Eric and I were talking, like uh, last night I was telling, the book of Proverbs, we use the English term, are more axioms. It is the word of God, but are more axioms. Meaning, if you fully obey it, it doesn't mean it will happen. A soft answer turns away. Yeah, it, sometimes you'll get slapped. It doesn't work always. Soft answer has not turned away wrath many times in real life. It's an axiom. Train up a child the way he should go. He will not depart from it. No, it's an axiom. It's an axiom. Child may go completely from the different. This is where modeling is so important. I ask this question. Why did the prodigal son come back? Because he knew his father was loving. That's why the Bible says love never fails. The only thing that cannot fail is love. Everything else will fail. So the star that is the shepherd, the honest upon the shepherd is incredible. The weight that is put, that's why he says I hold them in my right hand. I hold them in my right hand. They are stars. Starts not in the term the word is used today. Superstar, mega star, rebel star. No. Stars that give direction. Okay. When people are lost in the world, people are like struggling in the church. Okay. When you're struggling in the church, the shepherd cannot waver. He has to stand there strong in the midst of it because they're looking to him. Because it's like, it's like a, it's like an army. If the general wavers, the people will scatter. That's why the attack is always on the shepherd because it is written, strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. The sheep will scatter. So we need to understand what God is talking about because this is what the Bible is talking about. Go to Philippians chapter 3 and read verses 17 to 19 where Paul is talking about. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us. Not our teaching. It's more than teaching. You have us as a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. There will be many people in the congregation who may be enemies of the cross, but the pastor has to be a lover of the cross. So that they are every time convicted. They are convicted. So we can't be enemies of the cross. Cannot be enemy. So he's saying, you know what? Now he's talking. There are so many people in leadership who are enemies of the cross. Don't look at them as a pattern. Don't look at them as a pattern. They are not the pattern. Look unto us. Because that pattern, the end is destruction. The end is destruction. Because their God is their belly. They are comfortable in this world. And you follow them, they will take you right into the world which is under destruction. It's already under judgment. It's just a matter of time before the sentence is executed. 
So be very, very careful he's talking about. So when he's talking about these darts, which are the shepherds, he's saying about their teaching. No, they should be given over to prayer and to the study of the word and teaching. And they should be exercising servant leadership. They need to realize they have been called to serve. Okay, they are serving God and they are serving God's people. They are God's servant, but the beneficiaries of their service is not God, it is the people. They are not the people's servants, but they have to serve people because they are sent to the people. With great authority comes great responsibility. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 to 51, he Jesus, when you're talking about the last days, who then is a faithful and a wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household? Technically, the church is the household of God. Okay. To give them, what is he? To give them food in due season, to take care of them. We saw nourishing and cherishing the wife. That's what the shepherd does to the church. He nourishes and cherishes the church. Blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. So you need to realize everything is connected with the delay of his coming. That is the issue. Behold, I am coming quickly. But the problem is, the word quickly means when it happens, the events will be so fast together, you will not have time to recalibrate your life. But the actual coming has been delayed. And what does delay do to you? What does delay do to you? Okay, what does delay do? The question of delay is, what does delay? One of, one of the things of the delay is, he's absent. He's absent. Okay, and what does that do to you? It's a simple question. And begins to beat his fellow servants. Apostle Paul, when he wrote the first letter and second letter to the church in Thessalonians, his first doctrinal letters, John must have read it many, many years ago, the hope of his coming, comforting each other and all that. Now all of them are dead. All of them are dead. He is the last one who is coming. He is alive. The Lord has delayed his coming according to their timeline so long. Yet on the Lord's day he was in the spirit. He has no congregation in the island. But he is faithful in prayer. Faithful. Even if you do not have a congregation anymore to preach, your congregation is somewhere else. You have been exiled. And he's faithful. So he... Because the master's delayed his coming, did not start beating up his fellow servants or to eat and drink with the drunkards. This is where we looked at, remember there one word, be sober, be sober, be sober, be sober, be sober. Because the, this world, Babylon has a cup mixed with intoxicating drinks. People just, that's how addicts are. People, you don't have to be addicted to cocaine. You can be addicted to anything in the world because the world itself is a big cup of wine mixed, intoxicated. Okay, And everything that is sold in that cup is pleasure. 
while you are time aware. Don't focus on the other thing. That is why the man of God is asked to be temperate in all things. All things. Temperate. He needs to know when to put push his plate away. And we are not talking about eating. We are talking about everything. That's it. In old days we put the cup down, upside down. That means it's over. No more. Walk away from a conversation, walk away from plates, walk away, walk away, walk away, because you need to know, because we are all prisoners of time. And what the devil actually does through the world system is just kill our time. You cannot get it back. Please understand that you cannot get it back. To get your time back, I'll tell you, to get your time back, God has to do a supernatural divine miracle. And to get that supernatural divine miracle, your repentance should be as deep as Jonah's. From the depths, I cried out. And then God speeded it up and three days later he's at his destination. There's no other way you will get your time back. God can restore the years the locusts have eaten. But to get it restored, it is not easy. You know how deep you have to be so that you will walk for 40 days and never change the message. 40 days, Nineveh is no more. Okay, so you need to understand the devil doesn't have to do anything with our lives. He just has to get us while our time away. While our, that's why it's called redeem the time, redeem the time. So the call of leadership, the onus upon the leader is not the same as the congregation. No congregation, even yesterday when I was talking to Pastor Vijay and I said, be patient with them. Give them space to grow. You cannot expect them to grow because the pressure is on me, like the pressure is on you. You cannot raise Gemma up and say you have grown up. No, she will take time to grow. But we don't have that luxury. You don't have that luxury. Those who are in a ministry who are called to be heads do not have the luxury. You have to grow. You have to take the weight. You have to be temperate. The demands of leadership and the demands of those who are led are not the same. Those who are led, those who are leading in the army, don't go to the colleges where the soldiers go. There are three special institutions for them. One is at Karakwasala, one is at uh, Wellington, and the other one is in Masuri. If I am right. These are the way the officers are trained. It is not the same place. And the demand upon the leaders is not the same, the ones whom they are leading. So this is written. So I have seven stars talking about the pastors of the seven churches representing. And all the indictments or the commendations are to them. Are to them. So we three who are sitting here and the other pastors who are listening have to take it very personally because it is told to us. God said, I have shown you the way. You have to teach and you have to teach right because those you teach, the demand will be, the judgment will be, judgment will be intensive here because you know it's very difficult to take a teaching back. In never in two Sundays do you have all the people who came for the first Sunday coming for the second Sunday. Meaning, if you made an error in the first Sunday, you cannot correct in the second Sunday. Even if you corrected, everybody didn't get the correction. Because some are missing. The, the error has already gone. 
error as all. You can of course repent and ask God, Lord, put it right, this thing. But he says there is so much on demand from us. So this is what God is The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that is not aware of. This is literally what is happening in Revelation chapter 1. He had no idea that God would come looking for him on that day. But he knew what he was supposed to do. This is the Lord's day. Let me worship. It doesn't matter. There is no worship team. There is no congregation to preach or any. That's how GTC started. Because 15 years ago when the children asked me, Papu, what are we going to do? I said, we will worship. They said, where? I said, at home. It was a Friday. I said, we'll worship at home. How many of us? I said, we just four of us. We will worship at home. And then on Saturday, the calls started coming. Pastor, what are you doing? I said, I'm worshiping. Oh, where? I said, at home. We are coming. We are coming. We are coming. And that's how the church started. Because you don't need a congregation. Worship does not demand a congregation. Does not demand a congregation. So he was found at that day faithful. And the Lord came. He was not looking for him. John was not expecting anything of Jesus Christ. But the Lord came to him when he was not looking for him at an hour he was not aware of and found him faithful. And he gets the revelation. But the unfaithful one, he will cut him into two, appoint him his portion with the hypocrites and they shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So with enormous responsibilities. This is where the wives of the pastors their calling is to understand the weight on his shoulders and not mess it up. They need to understand sometimes when the man is saying, hey, hang on, leave me alone, I need to. They need to understand from what weight he is coming from. So to be the wife of a pastor is not a normal woman, cannot take that load. Cannot take that load. She also has to understand this is the weight on my husband's. And that's why over the years, the kind of letters we get on Q&A are written by the wives of pastors. Some of the most well-known pastors in our modern history have written to us, saying that we wanted to quit, we wanted to live, including David Wilkerson's wife almost left him because he couldn't understand the weight upon his shoulders. But that is where the, this thing comes because you need to realize what is that has been put on his shoulders? What is the onus upon his shoulders? What Who has called him? Who is holding him in his right hand? We look at right hand as authority. But also remember that is the same hand that wields a sword. Wields a sword. So, so much is upon and therefore God says. So what is the response of the sheep? Hebrews chapter 13, 7. And then verse 17. Remember those who rule over you. How do they rule over you? They have spoken the word of God to you. How does the judge, now we have a lawyer here. How does the judge rule over the people who come to the court? Because he will speak the law. According to section so and so and so. I pronounce you. Guilty or not guilty? These are the first two words. If not guilty, you don't have to worry. You can walk free, hugging and tears and cheers and all that. But if guilty, weeping will come. 
but he will say sentence will pronounced on such a such a day now tension according to the law from here 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 all the way up to he can give what will i get okay because that is what proceeds remember those who rule over you why they have spoken the word of god to you so what should the congregation do whose faith follow follow considering the outcome of their conduct can you imagine when these letters reached the churches and all the churches all the churches knew john is the last apostle they also know where he is and when they are reading this and when they come to that personal line i john your brother and a companion in the patience and tribulation and the kingdom you know how they felt they have a conduct to follow if john is in worse condition than us and if he is worshiping i too will worship i too will worship this is what god is talking about so christ showed us a way that is the way he has shown and the way is the way of the cross he showed us a way if you did not go through the way and took the way which satan offered to him then we will look at it that way you see why do we look at jesus why does jesus say i am the way what is he talking about not only his word but also his life and that's what who have spoken the word of god to you whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct okay so if you look at anybody in the bible who have written god has used to write scripture you can look at their lives moses who wrote the first five books you look at him and you look at his life and he says yeah he gritted his teeth and he hung in there he hung in there all the others 40 different authors written over a period of 1500 years but you see one quality in all the writers you can follow them their faith and consider the outcome of their conduct and coming to verse 17 obey those who rule over you be submissive why for they watch out for your souls they are watching out for your souls as those who must give account okay he stand before god god will ask us i gave you this many sheep give me an account first thing did you teach did you pray did you model what you taught did you walk in that did you have patience did you have perseverance did you have endurance did you walk in with them in love were you forgiving all this was he says this is what they will take that will take have you noticed every girl child when she is growing at one year two years soul of the mother as when you grow up honey who you will marry she will say papa every girl child if you ask the little child who will you marry papa go that's the man in her life man in her life why she is modeling something a modeling something in her mind okay and that's what shepherds are called to be to the sheep is model before them model as those who must give a call let them do so with so this is the response of the congregation 
to the shepherd. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. No? You don't want your pastor to go before God and say, Lord, this one gives me so much trouble in the church. But that would be unprofitable for you. Unprofitable. You won't be profitable for you. Okay? Profitable for you. Okay? So remember, this is the response. Okay? This is the response. So this has got to do with the starts. When you come to the golden lampstands, Remember, they are not called lampstands. They are called golden lamps. Seven golden. Seven we saw already. It's a sum total about churches of all times. Seven being the number of God's completion. So he's not writing to the, uh, to the, if you look at verse 11. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book, send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Okay. But it is a sum total of all the churches in all ages. And it is golden in terms of both value and in terms of purity. And God is saying the light of God now shines in and through the church. And not through the Jewish tabernacle. Church has not replaced Israel. But Israel has been hardened. They have been cut off. Their restoration will only take place during those seven year tribulation period. But right now, you don't look to Israel. All the people go so sentimental about Israel. But Israel has no light to show you. The only lesson you will learn from Israel is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Which is against the gospel. Israel has nothing to teach us. Other than the faithfulness of the covenant of God who still preserves them in spite of their unfaithfulness. That's the only lesson you learn from Israel. So, Israel is not the light of the world. The light of the world is a church. Okay, the lampstand. The lampstand. And what is the light? Second Corinthians 4.4 4. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest what? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. This is the light. The gospel of the glory of Christ. Okay. This is where glory comes. People don't understand what glory means. What is the glory? The glory is the gospel of... The, you take Christ out, there is no gospel. Christ is the center, the head, the tail, the sum total of the gospel. The gospel of the glory of Christ. Okay, that is why the Bible says uh, the head of man is Christ, meaning Christ is his glory. But the glory of woman is man. The glory of woman is man. And the glory of Christ is the Father. Okay. With headship comes glory. Headship comes glory. These are all connected to that because if we don't understand these concepts, we don't see the mess in the church. I was happy when we saw this time. No, the wedding was, it worked out fantastic because of that one thing. I said, put the cameras up. And have you noticed this was the best broadcast of all the weddings because everything was clear. You could see from the beginning till the end everything. Usually you can't see because the cameras are low. You can't see anything. But this time you could see the glory of a wedding. 
you could see it all. But when you come to spiritual realities, you need to realize the glory of the gospel is the glory of Christ. It is the glory of Christ. How God has worked out redemption through the life and the work of his son. You take the son out, there is no gospel. Because what they are trying to do is they are trying to take the cross out. The glory is gone. Because we preach Christ crucified. You change Christ around, the glory goes. The glory goes. We have to be very, very careful about it. Very So the glory, gospel of the glory of Christ, that is the light. Second Timothy 1.10 But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So the gospel is the light of God. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the glory of Christ. Okay, And that's the lamp. The lampstand itself does not give any light. It is just a bearer. It's just a bearer. The thing is that a lampstand without light is just a decorative item with no value. Just take that bulb from that holder. Who will look at that bulb? Nobody look at the bulb. No, sorry, nobody look at the holder. The entire meaning of the holder comes because there is a bulb attached to it and when you put on, it shines. But what happens when you put it on and it doesn't shine? So the lampstand is not a thing. There are seven golden lampstands, but what is the light that comes? It is the glory of the gospel of Christ. It is just like First Timothy chapter 3.15. 3.15, another word that is used is the word truth. Okay, uh, If I am delayed, I write so that you may know how to how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is what? Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of Truth. The church is not truth. Church is not truth. God is truth. Christ is truth. The spirit is truth. The word of God is truth. And the church becomes the pillar and the ground of truth. The church is not light. Christ is the light. This is the danger, he says. He says, I will walk among the lampstands and I will tell you what to do. And if you don't do what I do, I will remove the lampstand, the light is gone. And we need to realize in history, 2000 years history, God has removed his light from most churches. There's no more light there. It's gone. The churches have gone and they are now calling evil good and light has become darkness. Why? Because what we are reading in Revelation has been happening for 2000 years. 2000 years. And this is the important part we need to realize, the church is not the truth. It is the pillar and the ground of truth. Truth is God. Truth is Christ. Truth is the Holy Spirit. And truth is the word of God. So, if you look at these last two verses in this chapter, Revelation chapter 1, the entire crisis we have been facing can be placed from God's perspective on two entities. One is the star. The other is the lampstand. See, when God fixes a problem, he doesn't go to the politician. He doesn't go to the politician. 
He doesn't go to the Senate. He doesn't go to the Congress. He doesn't go to the Parliament. He comes to the church. I cannot, you say, I cannot go to the Congress and ask, Oh, darkness, where is your light? He said, They are darkness. I will go to the church. When I go to the church, first I will confront the pastor. Confront the pastor. He says, I placed you in my right hand. And I had called you to give direction to my people. Okay, if you say America has failed, it's not because the politicians failed them. The churches failed them. And the churches failed because the pastors failed them. Pulpit was compromised. Infiltrated from the back. All the, the FM pastors got in. And this little by little by little they preached and turned the hearts of God's people from God to the world. It was done very subtly. And they were very charismatic preachers. And they had a lot of gifts. But what did they use it for? They used it to take the people into a stupor and to a drunkenness. And the pulpit collapsed. Along with that the whole church collapsed. So if the country has to come back, the pulpit has to come back. You see, we are looking at Ahab. We are looking at Jezebel. We are looking at what all they are doing. But God says, if I need to bring restoration, I need at least one man who will stand. And that man was Elijah. And Jezebel was not trying to kill anybody. She was trying to kill the prophets of God, the ones who spoke. And that's what he's saying. I'm the only one left because she's killed all your, that prophetic voices are all gone. And the, it, it, all it took was one man, in the case of a small nature, a theocratic kind of a nation where God established a nation, all it took was one man. One man. So if a nation has to be restored, if a family has to be restored, if a church has to be restored, where does it begin? It begins with the man. It does not begin with the woman. It begins with the man. The, the buck stops with us. It doesn't matter who did the damage. The question is still, Adam, Adam, where are you? You read Genesis chapter 16, the whole thing orchestrated by Sarah and Hagar and a mess. But in chapter 17, we should expect God to come and speak to Sarah, saying, Sarah, walk before me and be blameless. No, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. You walk blameless, she will follow you. Everybody, whole your household will follow you. And if you don't follow you, you can exercise your authority how to deal with it. But you walk before me. This is what we are talking about. And this is the honest. Because people are looking in authority and power, which doesn't understand. In the kingdom of God, with authority and power, comes accountability and responsibility. Accountability and responsibility. We are looking at glory. Yes, glory is at the end. Glory. Stars differ in glory, saints will differ in glory, but the leadership will be asked to account because God has not placed any other source of light in this world but the church. And like we see in Revelation 2, verse 5, if it fails its purpose, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly. And remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What happens? It has strayed away from the word. 
or it has strayed away from the spirit. We saw in Galatians 5, 6, right? The only thing that matters. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. The church in Ephesus is 100% in the executing of the word, but they have no love. And they are indicted. It should, we wouldn't put Ephesus first. You would put Ephesus somewhere in them, but God puts Ephesus first. He has nothing wrong to say about them except one thing. But because of the missing one thing, because that is the most important thing for God, God says, I'll remove your lampstand. So we need to understand, see, what we look at a church is what we look at a home and we look at it as an individual. And we cannot escape this and we have to go and say, Lord, I do not have that in me. Make me a loving person. No excuses. I was made that way. I was brought up that way. That's irrelevant because anyone who's in Christ Jesus is a new creation. All things have passed away. And we have to look at all things have passed away. That old things have to passed away. Lord, I have to become something else. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And we need to realize God is everything. But the Bible says, why did he send his son? Why did he send his son? Because God so loved the world. Not because he was powerful, not because he was holy, not because he was righteous. He should have destroyed the world. Why did he not destroy the world? Because all these other characteristics will go to destruction. As the solution, all powerful, I am all righteous, I am all holy, they are mad, he should destroy us. But the problem is, God is love. So he sent his... So that is where we need to have to understand. This is the indictment. Because why? He is not just standing. He's walking among the lampstands. And he's observing. And he's noting it down. And he's writing. So to pastors, I would say, read the letters to the seven churches. Carefully, word by word, letter by letter, what is God saying? Where is the indictment coming in? Where do we need to make changes? Where we need to improve? Because he's walking in our midst. Amen? But we need to remember. The introductory chapter is telling us very soon everything will go out of control. But when everything goes out of control, remember he's always in control. John, you saw me when I walked with you. You saw me when I hung on the cross. You saw me after the words when I resurrected and sat with you and ate and all. But that is not who I really am. This is who I am. If you're worried about yourself, I hold you in the right hand. If you're worried about your church, I walk in their midst. History is my story. I'm absolutely in control of history. That's why those words are so important. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And then he says, when I walk among you, please remember my eyes. I miss nothing. I miss nothing. Amen? Because what Christ sees, we do not see. So we need him to see and tell us what we do not see. So we will sing and then we will pray and we will thank God. We are Peter. Yeah.
Great is the Lord, He's holy and just, by His power we trust in His love. Great is the Lord, He's faithful and true, by His mercy He proves He is love. Great is the Lord, and is worthy of glory. Great is the Lord, and is worthy of praise. Great is the Lord, now lift up your voice, now lift up your voice. Great is the Lord, great is the Lord. Great is the Lord, He's holy and just, by His power we trust in His love. Great is the Lord, He is faithful and true, by His mercy He proves His love. Great is the Lord, and is worthy of glory. Great is the Lord, and is worthy of praise. Great is the Lord, now lift up your voice, now lift up your voice. Great is the Lord. Great So there we are. Next week we'll begin with chapter 2. We will begin with the church in Ephesus. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just want to thank you once again, O oh Father, that our eternity is secure. That it doesn't matter how shaky and uncertain the temporal may look. It is momentary. It is fleeting. Things which are real are the things in your realm. And nobody can escape it. No man. No woman, no child, no creature can escape it because eternity is coming. And this is one book that was written specifically to prepare us for that day. No man knows that day or that hour. But that day or that hour should not be a day of fear or terror for us. Therefore all the counsels of God has been given. We thank you, Father. We just thank you. Thank you, thank you, Father, for your servants who have gone before us. For their faithfulness, even John the Apostle, his faithfulness, his perseverance, his patience, his endurance. When all the other apostles were dead, he still refused to quit. And he hung in there alone. And therefore we have this book. You told him, write and send this book to the seven churches. Blessed is he who reads, who hears and keeps the words of this prophecy. It is not easy to keep, but you give us the power to keep. This morning, Father, I commit the whole church into thy hands. Church here, church in Ranchi, the church in Jamshedpur, all your servants you uphold with your right hand everywhere around the world. You 
your servants. You call by name. You may set apart for a time and a season like this. Help us, Lord, to remain true to your word and to your spirit. It is not easy. But often the congregation is disinterested. But Lord, we cannot be disinterested. We cannot go with the flow. We have to stand against the flow and stand with God. Like that day when Moses called out to the children of Israel, who are is for the Lord, come to my side. And only the Levites separated. But towards the end, there was only one family left from among the Levites to the sons of Zadok. In a compromising and a hostile environment, help us to stand alone if needed so that the people living in darkness may see a light to guide their lives. I hear my pastor's words. I see his life. So that if there are any or many who do not read the words of this book, they still have a star to guide them. As Paul was to his churches. For he told them, follow me. As I follow Christ. The onus is on us. We just want to thank you Lord. That we are not called to do this alone. You are there with us. Every moment. Of the day. Not only that. You hold us in your right hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We pray our churches will be true lampstands where the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ may shine. That the blind may see, the deaf may hear, the brokenhearted may be healed, and the captive set free may be rejoicing in heaven over every sinner outside or inside the church when they repent and turn back to you. That we may bring you joy and your people may learn the knowledge of God from our lips. As darkness covers the earth, grows darkness you had promised your light should come upon your people so that the Gentiles should see that light and come to you. I pray, Father, for our churches and for the leadership. Let your light shine upon us. And help us to be so transparent in our walk with you. 
but we take no glory. But shine forth it back to your people. That we are just reflectors of your glory, of your light. True reflectors. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Therefore, Father, we stand here. The light of the revelation of who Jesus is, we once again declare, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Amen.